background and how you got involved with Alice's House. Okay. Um, I'm Janet Gibson. I uh, grew up in Brockton, Massachusetts, um, one of 11 kids. Went to college in Connecticut, um, where I actually met my husband, and so we've been together for 40-something years, 47 years or uh, so. And um, I lived in Marshfield for 41 years, um, raised four children here. And, um, and that's my, and been very involved with the community. Um, I love our Marshfield and social community. So have done a lot of different projects um, through the years that I've been here. And my involvement with Alice's House is that I founded Alice's House back in 1997. And um, it has been running since then till um, for 20, 25 years it will be. How did you get involved with Alice's? Like, how did it start? Um, so Alice's House, which is a nonprofit organization, started um, because I was a friend with a woman named Alice Feeney. And I met Alice through a cancer support group, which I started in 1989 when I was a fairly young mom with four kids and a cancer diagnosis. And so I started a cancer support group of other moms I spotted in, in school that wore bandanas like I did. And we would just meet each other and share how do you get through um, hospitalizations and chemotherapies and surgeries and manage kids and school and spouses and in the community. So. Um, we got together just at each other's homes, and then one day um, the local pastor at St. Christine's Church had asked if I would have the meetings at church so he could refer people to me. And typically we were a group of women that ranged in the ages of 30s to 50. And then in one day walks um, Alice Feeney, who was about 75 at the time. And she just wanted to show people that you can survive, having survived cancer for 25 years. And just her nature and her wisdom and her character, organically she kind of became the matriarch of our group. And she lived in this little cottage, 100-year-old beach cottage on Hamark Beach. And we often would meet in her home and sit around the big oak table in her little cottage kitchen and um, just help each other and share with each other and get each other through some monumental times in our lives. And what was special, um, well, Alice was a special woman, but what was special about her home was that it just welcomed you with um, just a, a, a very positive energy, almost feeling like a loving grandmother would be embracing you as you walk through the door. So that's initially how I met Alice. And um, I'm going to fast forward. That was like in 1989, okay. 1990. So I'll fast life when some of us in her, in our group that were still survivors, helped care for her, we discovered that she also had um, another group 
which was, and I, I feel comfortable saying this, but it was an AA group. And um, back then, that's 30 years ago, and then, you know, the anonymity of AA was very, very sacred. So she never shared with us what her other group was. Um, however, towards the end of Alice's life, we both became entwined and engaged in helping care for Alice. And that's when I learned um, why her house felt the way it felt, because there was story after story of how she and her husband had sponsored hundreds of people through that program, and their door was just always open to someone who needed to sit around that oak table or needed to have a heart listened to them or a, a place to just, to just be. Um, so uh, Alice uh, left her home to um, her nieces, a bunch of her nieces and nephews, and the home was eventually going to be put up for sale. So I, my initial, my initial quest was I really wanted to, for sentimental reasons, purchase the oak oak table that we yeah. all sat around. And then I thought if if that house goes up for sale, a contractor is going to buy it. It's going to be a tear down. And that whole legacy that she and her husband John had built for many years would be gone. Um, they um, they had no children to pass on that legacy to. So. I knew it needed to continue. Mm -hmm. I knew I couldn't do that by myself. So I started a nonprofit organization. I talked my way into a bank for a mortgage. And all the while I had to answer questions of, you're going to do what? what? What is this going to be? And it was really um, a unique mission. And our whole mission really is really to provide that space by the sea for anybody who is being challenged with something um, critical in their lives, just to have a time, a moment or two to catch their breath, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, just a few days to rest your heart and, and touch your soul and just be able to cross back over that bridge again and face life. Um, and we have a unique business model in the sense that since we are located right on the ocean, um, we rent the house during the summer months, and the income from that helps provide primarily our operating budget. So when you are a guest at Alice's house um, for our mission purpose, you literally are a guest. Um, it's on a donation basis or not, and which makes it just open to so many people that ordinarily couldn't afford to get away and just have that moment and that time for healing. If I could use two words, I would say it's a healing house. Tell us about the fire. So in 2012, which is five years ago, ten years ago, ten years ago, ten years ago, ten years ago so <laughs> 2012, so at the time I'm driving right now, it's ten years ago, we just celebrated the 10th anniversary of it, March 8th. There was a devastating fire in Hamar that um, really took to, brought down to ashes four houses in, in Hamar. It started in one of the houses, um, the house next door to Alice's house, and it was a beautiful March day, taste of spring, so there were a lot of people out, 55 mile an hour winds, and 
So, so many people witnessed that fire. And it was devastating. Um, I learned, I had been at the house all morning and I had to be somewhere in the afternoon that I couldn't have my cell phone on. And when I discovered what was happening, I came straight to the house and literally what we had left at Alice's house was a quarter of a chimney and lots of ashes and hoses and um, and on that chimney though, a fireman, when I got to the house, a fireman said to me, Janet, you have to see this. And if you look at our website and so forth, you'll see this image, but the metal lining of the chimney melted and eased out through the crevices in that chimney and formed a heart. And it was the fireman that actually pointed it out to me. And it was just amazing. And it was, I think, what a lot of us needed to see that day, that, um, that love would survive this and hope would survive this. Was it, you know, instantaneous that you guys decided, hey, we're going to rebuild? No, <laughs> it was not instantaneous. It was, um, it took a lot to make that decision. At the time of the fire, we had enough insurance to, for a 100-year-old beach cottage and not enough to rebuild. So the challenge before my board at the time was we need to raise $750,000. And um, as the head of the board then, I said, I don't know how to do that. Um, so we had some time to make a decision whether to move forward or not. And our options were either move forward and raise money or um, dissolve the nonprofit. And, and in a way, when you dissolve a nonprofit, all your assets go to other nonprofits. Right. So it was a way that would still yeah. continue to give. And honestly, I, that was kind of the direction I was going in. And after a few years of, and then I had to make a decision time-wise, um, I had a friend who um, actually mentored me, and I went to him to kind of talk me out of it, because I, all of a sudden I was starting to think, oh, maybe we should rebuild, because I heard from so many people, hundreds of people, how much Alice's house meant to right. me, more than I could have imagined. And many, um, after a few years, when they were watching an empty lot, would say, what's going on with Alice's house? And um, I would explain the situation, and all of a sudden I was starting to hear, I'll help you. So I kind of opened that door a little bit and um, went to a friend who was in development and asked, really expecting him to talk me right out of it. He talked me right into it. <laughs> and he offered to me, which was a lifesaver, um, that he would mentor me through the process wow. of raising this money. You know, he really f believed that we had a history, that the house had a history. Um, you know, we were well-respected within our community, um, that we could really do this. Um, but he said, there are things you have to do, and one of them is you have to get a home and board of directors. So I know in, in um, one of the questions that you had asked me to address would be what would is one of our biggest challenges, or yeah. what has been one of my biggest challenges. And that was probably the biggest challenge. I had to find a whole new board of directors that knew our mission at that moment, our, our 
goal, our challenge at that moment would be to raise $750,000. So I brought together 10 people, most who didn't know each other, most who knew nothing about Alice's house. And I wish I could say we sat around that table, but we didn't. Yeah. We sat around a sandy lot, and I had to share with them my story. And I give them so much credit because the mission of Alice's House is very broad, yeah. which I appreciate because then it can be much more inclusive for a lot of people. But it also raised a challenge when we were trying to um, raise money because many donors wanted something much more specific. Like, well, what percentage of your guests are cancer patients? What percentage of your guests um, are in recovery? You know, And those were answers that we really couldn't give. So th these 10 people had to share my story for many years as we were raising this money until they finally witnessed and heard the story of people who actually spent some time as guests at Alice's house. So in two years, by conversations with people, we raised our $750,000. Wow. And we were able to reopen the doors in 2017. And two years later, we were able to pay off our construction loan that we had borrowed from, and so we, and we continue to, you know, sustain ourselves with renting the house during the summer, and then the rest of the year is used for our mission purpose, and then we hold one fundraiser a year, um, which is our annual <coughs> Rock Your Heart, Walk Run fundraiser in Hamrock, which has been not just, um, Fundraising, but it's been community raising too. And that, and you didn't you you improved upon the house. I would say I've, I've been there a few times, and it's it's beautiful. It is beautiful. So knowing the usage of the house, we made a hundred-year-old beach cottage work for our mission, but it wasn't ideal. Um, so knowing the usage of the house, we pretty much used the same footprint, but we made it much more accommodating to the usage of the house. For instance, it's a four-bedroom house, all en suite, so families who are sharing it, the house or, or retreats or groups that are sharing the house have privacy, um, large, more open gathering spaces. Um, so it's really, it's really very functional for um, our guests. How are like, people that are using it finding you? Is it word of mouth? Is oh, it, you, okay. know? Yeah. you know, when we were rebuilding, um, we kept one of our um, questions was, how are we going to market this? Are we going to have to have brochures and lots of um, medical facilities and churches and so forth? And it truly has been a word of mouth effort. We are so busy that, um, you know, I, you, it's... That's our, my current challenge, is finding availability for guests. I probably get three or four inquiries a day for guests to use the house. And a lot of them come from word of mouth of a previous guest. 
Many come from social workers um, at hospitals, um, people in support groups. So somebody in a support group comes and as a guest, and then they go back to their group and share. Um, and so many, it's all, it's pretty much word of mouth. What's the biggest needs of the organization right now? I mean, we, we're, our house is a house on the beach, so we will continue to have needs just facility-wise. Um, and so we continue to have that fundraiser, which will help build us um, a sustainability account to be able to keep the house in top-notch condition. Um, and um, so supporting that fundraiser, um, referring people to Alice's house, people want to find out more, what's, what's the best way for them to, you know? The best way, really, is um, to contact Alice's House, either through our website, which is alice'shouse.org, um, or, our, you know, our phone number, 781-834-8993. All of that information is on our website. That truly is the best way. That way, we can set up a time to have a conversation, to have a tour of the house, um, see what your needs are as a guest, and how we can, um, you know, potentially make some availability for you. What if people want to volunteer or get involved? Because the house is so busy, um, our volunteer efforts are more uh, are somewhat limited um, because there's always guests in the house. We do have occasionally, maybe a couple of times a year, we'll have like a major uh, cleanup day. Like we just hosted 20 women from the Marshfield Chamber. Uh, women in business, and they went through and organized all the the things that we never have time to do as a board because when we're changing um, guests, it's like we're in there. Um, we have a cleaner, obviously, but we don't have the time to do a lot of the organization in the house that any house hold needs, especially one that's being used by so many people. So they went in and organized all the kitchen cabinets, all, organized all the linen closets, um, all the books in our library. It was wonderful. You know, two hours of 20 women. Magic can happen. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you, you mentioned the, the 5K. I know that's something that you guys started a few years ago. Just talk about that. So we started that our first year, um, really not knowing what the response would be, and it has just been um, amazing. Two years, um, we had it in person, um, and last two years, we had it virtual. So coming up this October, it will be our fifth, um, fifth annual, so we really want to make it a big deal, and it will definitely be in person, a combination, really, a hybrid in person and virtual, but definitely an in-person thing. And it's very family-friendly. So it's a combination of community people, former guests, donors, um, you know, people who just follow runs and walks. Um, but as one person put it, our very first year, this isn't like a walk-run, this is like a love fest. <laughs> and that's the vibe that it has. It's just people just, because you, within that walk, you can actually see Alice's house, and we usually have the house open for people to come and and um, take a look and get a feel for what we do. So it's it's community building as well as fundraising for us. You mentioned mentioned some of the challenges that you guys have faced. Rather, on the flip side, of that, what's been the most rewarding experience? 
quite hard to say. Um, I think probably <clears throat> the most rewarding probably is that we were able to rebuild and reopen those doors. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that would surprise most people is that how long Alice's House has been in existence because it's been 25 years. And most people didn't know anything about Alice's House until the fire. And one of the reasons is that, it, again, it just quietly told its own story. And we are in a residential neighborhood, so we want to keep it somewhat under the radar and respectful of our neighbors. Um, and But when the fire happened and we had to raise that money, then the awareness needed to be out there. So the story then was told much more um, actively and loudly. <laughs> yeah. What's that? thing that surprises people else is us that they don't don't realize I think that. one is that that's how long it's been in existence 25 years because they think of it as just you know since 2017 when we were reopened um, the other thing is many people um, want to know who else is and many people call me Alice. <laughs> but, um, and it, the, I think the thing is, most, Alice didn't know anything about this, so this was never a conversation with Alice. This was something after Alice had passed. So I think that surprises people, too. What's the future like? Oh, the future. <laughs> the future looks hopeful and wonderful and very busy. Um, and, you know, we just have this barely a day when there's not a guest in, the, in Alice's house, whether it's for, you know, our summer vacation people or for our mission guests. Um, it's um, the need for healing, particularly, I want to say, in the last couple of years, has been enormous. And um, we probably more than ever um, have a lot of guests who are dealing with grief lot of guests who are dealing with um, <laughs> disease-related um, issues, where it's a place where they can just be out of their own homes, but in a loving, home-like setting, and just to be by the ocean, um, as most of us who live on the South Shore appreciate the healing benefits of just being by the sea. So you combine that with just the love that's infused within the walls of Alice's house, and really magic happens. I mean, we keep a journal there, and the stories that former guests share with us are, are just um, just heartfelling. Before before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd want our listeners to know about Alice's House? I almost don't have an answer to that question. Really? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I don't think I do. Right, well, thank you so much for coming on. And it's such a great organization, and you know, it's really nice to sit down with you and talk about it. Thank you, Jonathan. It's been a pleasure, and thank you for all the work that you've helped us with, too.